0: To Taylor, I'm Olivia, and I'm Danny, and we're your co-hosts. Midnight's Taylor's tenth studio album dropped two days ago for us. Currently, as we're recording this,
1: yeah, and we're so tired. Like, we're not tired of Taylor Swift. We're not tired of anything in that way. It's just we've been up so late because Taylor Swift can't sleep, so neither can we. She's making her oh, problem everybody's problem. <laughs> yeah,
0: um, we listened. Thursday night at midnight and we stayed up, of course, for the super special chaotic surprise at 3am that ended up being seven additional songs so of course we had to listen to those and then chat about how we felt about the album and we were up until 5am and that threw up our sleep schedule so bad and this morning my boyfriend woke us up and like made us get out of bed at a decent hour and we still couldn't go to sleep until 5am last night again
1: and then today it was the same thing we woke up and we're trying to like get through this day but it's very Hard 'Cause we're so tired because yeah. there's like it's called midnights. Of course it's middle of the night content, mm-hmm. but we have jobs. <laughs> we have jobs. We have a life. I'm supposed to hop on a flight at five AM tomorrow. What what do I what am I supposed to do with that? Listen to midnight.
0: I guess if you haven't listened to the new album, leave and then come back.
1: That's a pretty good disclaimer, I guess, there. Also, another disclaimer. For the first time in the history of this podcast, Olivia and I are recording in the same room at the same time. Yes. It's different than our normal setup and we're not used to this. And we're still trying to figure out not picking up feedback from the other person.
0: Yeah, it's so weird. We're we're in the same house, but she's in the kitchen. I'm in the living room. And so like I can kind of hear her off mic and hear her on mic. So it's kind of funny. <laughs>
1: So the way that we're going to go through this episode to give it some structure is we're going to go through our experience of getting together in person to celebrate the midnight's release. And as we talk through our experience of that night, we're going to go through each song down the list and kind of give first impressions. We're not going to deep dive any song yet. There will be time in episodes for that, but we're going to do very quick overview what we think it might be about our feelings about the song personally and go from there. Flash to Thursday morning, I hop on a flight at whatever time my flight was. My flight was at 6 a.m. and I flew from Mm -hmm. Kansas City to Chicago, Chicago to Flint. And then I came and scooped
0: Danny up and I still had to work a little bit. So I work from home, so I didn't have to like go into work, but... During that, like, on my breaks and stuff, we started decorating for Midnight's release party. This is October 20th, in case you haven't figured that out yet. And I got literally a balloon arch. We made this whole Midnight's backdrop. I got a custom Midnight's, like, banner and, like, silver glitter. It was... So much fun to set up and we got all dressed up. We wore these sparkly dresses to kind of emulate the Midnight's vibe. I was kind of inspired by her blue romper star outfit
1: with like the faux white jacket. If you know what I'm talking about, that drew my inspiration from there. And I wore like this black sparkly dress you know giving midnights big puffy sleeves and both yes. of us got our nails done we didn't even coordinate we got our nails done like midnight blue with sparkles on it and yes. taylor swift did the same thing she on does. october 20th so <laughs> but we enlisted olivia's boyfriend kaz and his friend carlos to help decorate and they did we had pizza we put up the balloon arch and we we made some TikToks. If you follow us on TikTok, you probably saw some of them. (laughs) Soaked up the last few hours of the Red Taylors version era, which made us emotional. We also uh, designed
0: some special cocktails that we enjoyed during the listening party. I bought star-shaped ice cube trays, so I made a ton of star ice, which ended up so cute.
1: Yeah, they were absolutely adorable. And like we had we had a drink called like lavender haze and it was Empress Gin, which is purple, with some lemon juice and some lavender simple syrup and which Mm -hmm. I homemade and lemonade and it was so good. And and edible glitter, of course. Edible glitter was in everything. We made like a raspberry vodka lemonade with some edible glitter. And it was very exciting. And then we, we were panic mode before it hit midnight because we had so much to do. We had to look cute. We wanted to get pictures and we wanted to make sure that the drinks were made. The set design was ready. Yeah. And we live streamed a little bit. Um, I know a few people hopped on there and said hi to us. We were so nervous. And then it hits midnight and we go to play it and it's not loading. And we're like, oh, my God, obviously it's not loading. She broke Spotify again, which is true. She <laughs> did. But in Olivia's panic to make sure that all the lights were plugged in, she unplugged the Wi-Fi router. I did. <laughs> so, yes, she did break Spotify, but it also wasn't loading because the Wi-Fi was down. Yes. So, <laughs> so once Kaz got it all plugged in for us because he was down there helping us out, he's like, well, I'll stick around and hear the album, too, and enjoy this with you guys, at least for a couple songs. Spoiler, he stayed for all of the, the songs album <laughs> but we sat down and we recorded our reaction and so like maybe eight minutes after midnight it starts off the album and then boom me me at midnight. meet me at midnight oh my god i was shook to my core so good as soon as that like beat came in i was like oh my god this is sexy Just, yes definitely it was, it was so good just out the gate and i've said this on other episodes so if you are a longtime listener if you will you probably know this my dream for this album was to be a dark 1989 yeah. that is exactly what i've said and as soon as the album kicked off i was like oh my god am i <laughs> getting my wish and lavender haze was
0: such a strong album opener i
1: just to say that lavender One of the strongest openers she's ever had. I think I'm sad that yeah. this wasn't when the all about the openers album happened. Right. It was so good. It came right in. And we know that Lavender Hayes has had a lot of talk surrounding it. So it had a lot of hype about yeah. what it was going to sound a lot like. Of anticipation. And we said in our drunk episode that like, how could Lavender Haze and what she's talking about be fast? And we goofed around about what it could possibly There's sound a, like. This is Lavender, Lavender Haze. Blip, 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 <laughs> so it was stuck in my head forever. But it was such a sultry, beautiful way to have an upbeat song start off the album while yes. keeping with the intense undertones of what a Lavender Haze is.
0: Yeah. And I love the way her vocals were off the bat. Because I don't think Taylor has really done vocal work like this. And it's fun hearing it from her.
1: Oh, yeah. And she was doing some really beautiful things that we, like you said, that we haven't heard before, but that are challenging. even you know, if they sound like they're not, like when she slides on the word haze, haze like that's that's something that is challenging to do and stay in key with harmonies with your backing tracks it was so well done
0: yeah and there are some other songs later where she does that really low creaky voice I can't emulate it
1: I mean, I'm not a professional vocalist. It was beautiful. It was incredibly well, a very, very strong start that made us like, okay, here we go. And it is, unlike some songs that are track ones on a lot of albums, Mm -hmm. it is already a favorite of several people that I know, including like my boyfriend, Matt, including my sister, Brianna. It's, it's one of my, it's in my top three, I think maybe top four. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's in my like upper middle.
0: But, like, even my middle, even my bottom, that doesn't mean I don't
1: like the song. Yeah, this is a no-skip album to me, I think. But we'll get more into I agree. that at the end. But, yeah, I think Lavender Hayes is my number three. But we don't need to rank them right now. I'm just making that point. Yeah. As of right now. As of right now. <laughs> and once Lavender Hayes ended, like, the bar was just set so dramatically high. So when Maroon comes in. Oh, so scarlet it I didn't immediately think, wow, this is as good as Lavender Haze. And I still don't rank Maroon as high as Lavender Haze. Again, only having known the album for less than two days, so I can't even fairly rank it or digest it. But Maroon's a strong song too.
0: Yeah, I feel like Maroon for me continued the vibe from Lavender Haze, but didn't feel as unique as Lavender Haze on my first listen. That's a good way to put it. Mm -hmm. But after listening to it several times, it is exponentially becoming more and more of one of my higher regarded songs.
1: Yeah, it was low ranked in my brain at the beginning. And then it's kind of grown over the past day in listening to it. And I don't know if it's because Lavender Haze set that bar so high that comparing them that directly wasn't fair to Maroon. I agree. Lavender Haze was such a shell shock that mm-hmm. anything that came after that was not going to live up to that for me, or at least whatever followed it immediately wasn't right. going to. So it just wasn't, it wasn't a fair game.
0: Exactly. And I mean, Lavender Hayes had that shock feature of her new sound and she really went all out with making sure you knew what her new sound was. Maroon, I think is good once you start paying attention to the lyrics more. And I'm not someone that can digest lyrics on my first listen. I didn't know what she was singing. I just know.
1: So Scarlet, it was that's all I got. To back it up to Lavender Haze a little bit, she talked about what Lavender Haze is about and it's about protecting this love. That it, Like, Lavender haze is the sixties and seventies version of honeymoon phase. So it's about protecting that feeling of being in your lavender haze with your lover. And so the immediate shift to maroon, which almost sounds like she's talking to a past lover, but I also saw a theory online that it's like, she's talking to herself drunk in the mirror. Cause she says scarlet lips and she's, you know, known for her red lip thing. So it was a complete shift off of the theme of Lavender yeah. Haze, but the vibe was the same. Yeah, exactly. My favorite song on the album comes in at track three Anti Hero. I'll stare
0: directly at the sun, but never in the mirror. It must be exhausting, always.
1: This one you loved immediately. Immediately. And I'd completely forgotten in the moment that it was the one that she was going to release a music video for. I forgot that she said it was one of her favorite songs yeah. she's ever written. I wanted to go in with no predetermined bias. So anti-hero immediately striking me within like the first 10 seconds. I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, I get
0: it. And like, it's so catchy. We've been singing all day. Like,
1: ha, I'm problem, is me all day yeah it's it's catchy it's quirky i think she knew that was gonna end up as a tiktok audio it's so oh, like yeah. trendable i loved the themes of antihero out the gate because i find that to be so particularly relatable i am excited to do a deep dive on this song when we do but the concept of like second guessing yourself constantly of am i doing good things because i'm a good person yeah. or because i want people to think i'm a good person positive nihilism is my favorite subgenre of music i love when songs like you listen to the lyrics and you're like oh my god what the fu-? and then yeah. it sounds so happy it's like every song the 1975 has ever put out <laughs> anti-hero encapsulates that really well
0: yeah I really enjoyed anti-hero too but it didn't stick out to me as much as I feel like it did for you even though it's still like up there in my more notable songs
1: it sounded different than marina lavender haze yeah. which were sultry and smooth and buttery and anti-hero is a lot more punchy and yeah. quirky I've been saying this all day and yesterday
0: to you and to my boyfriend, Cass, so this isn't new information to you, but for anyone listening, I feel like it's really interesting how antihero has such dark themes and such obvious evidence that taylor hates herself at least some midnights she hates herself she can't stand herself she doesn't understand why we like her so much like she cannot for the life of her figure it out but that's really dark and she knows that that's really dark and she had to put it to a fun tune because if she made it too serious i don't know if she could handle putting that in the world
1: agreed i'm really really pleased with the song i like it a lot and i think that there's easter eggs all over it and the music video and oh yeah We'll tear those apart later. So immediately after Auntie Hero is Snow on the Beach. Featuring Lana Del Rey. I guess. Can't really hear her.
0: Yeah. My first impression
1: of this one was just, it was
0: pretty. But I was hopeful but not surprised that Lana did not get any breathing room from Taylor.
1: Yeah, I especially after the Phoebe Bridgers feature on nothing new, I was like, oh my God, she's heard the criticism that when she features female artists, it needs to be more equitable in the song to call, call it a feature. And that's not really what happens. Exactly. And
0: especially with a big name like Lana and when she announced it, like she knew that fans would really look forward to this song and the fact that Lana was featured. Oh no! I think she mishandled that one.
1: I think she did too. It's a it's a fine song. It's pretty. It's at this point in time probably my least favorite, which again does yeah. not mean anything because this album is so strong yeah, overall. Yeah, it doesn't
0: mean we dislike it just because it's our least favorite on the album.
1: I do think that the placement of "fuck" in this song is so bizarre it's very l- let me clarify it's very lana del rey if you listen through right. norman fucking rockwell like the word fuck is in the title and it's so randomly placed throughout these songs but that's lana del rey it is not taylor swift so yeah. if you're going to feature lana del rey and explicitly use her style of music where are her vocals
0: especially like even if taylor didn't create the song like in lana's style lana did help write it and you can see that lana helped write it
1: hmm it's very it's weird it feels like a song that lana del rey would have had featuring taylor swift
0: yeah but it's still a pretty song and i don't hate it it'll probably end up growing on me more but the more and more i listen to it in comparison to other songs i like the other songs more
1: i, I feel like there will be a time maybe if i come visit you again in michigan and we go up to one of the beaches Snow we're gonna be on. sitting on the beach and it's gonna start snowing and i'm gonna be like that's what this song was written for was this moment <laughs> exactly <laughs> After that is track five, You're On Your Own Kid.
0: Yeah, my first impression was not super impressed. I had it ranked last on my immediate first listen through ranking that we tried to
1: do. Yeah, uh I'm glad that we wrote those down. We didn't post them anywhere, but I have them in a draft on TikTok cuz it was also ranked low for me and it has grown on me so much.
0: It's another one of those ones that it's so special because of the story it tells. And on the first listen, I couldn't digest the story she was telling me.
1: Exactly. It's definitely a sleeper hit and it's one of those songs that if you're not into Taylor's lore, and what's been going on surrounding her life through the past 16 years, yeah. it's not going to hit you very hard. It doesn't make sense if you don't know her life. Yeah. It's, it's pretty like stagnant throughout it. Of it's, it doesn't have like a punching chorus. It doesn't have a whole lot of shifts throughout the song. Mm -hmm. And I think people are expecting that for a track five, but this was just her being really vulnerable. And I think speaking to herself saying you're on your own kid, you always have been anyone will sell her out. If it means that they get more fame, more money, anything. And that's what she's saying. She's saying to herself, you're on your own kid. Like you
0: trusted these people, but even when you thought that they were in your corner, you weren't, you were on your own because
1: you always have been. Yep. It's a, it's a very vulnerable track five, but I feel like there's a misunderstanding with track fives of thinking that the fifth track on the album has to be the most powerful lyrically, musically, all of it together because all too well is a track five. Dear John is a track five cold as yeah. you, you get these big, powerful beautiful songs like for the their time. saddest song on the album Saddest that's song not the what album. track five is Taylor says track five
0: is a song that she was exceptionally vulnerable on
1: I think that spilling your guts saying that she's aware that she is on her own mm-hmm. and no one is there with her I mean of course she's got like her mother and Joe but at the end of the day she is alone because we all are alone and that's a hard
0: pill to swallow. And we'll do an episode digging into track five and its meanings and implications and expectations Swifties have of it. But I think the people that, feel like you're on your own kid that shouldn't have been track five the same people that didn't think delicate or the archer should have been track five Agreed. and those are also both really vulnerable songs they're not devastating breakup songs but that's not necessarily what a track five is supposed to be at least in taylor's mind
1: yeah exactly like i saw somebody say new year's day should be track five and i'm like new year's day is vulnerable but it's not delicate vulnerable like it doesn't have to be slow track five isn't about what's the most sad song jesus yes (laughs) if that were the case then clean would have been track five and clean makes a lot more sense as an album closer but we'll get into that yeah midnight rain this
0: one has grown on me so much this one makes me so happy and excited (laughs) yeah tell me why so off the bat it was like okay Mm. but gosh just the the hook of you were sunshine I was midnight (laughs) uh I don't know I love the like the low distorted voice I think this song is so vibey and the more and more like I read the lyrics I just think it's really clever
1: I same and I like I like when she does things experimentally with music and that whole like the like I'm not singing lyrics but it's like you can't understand it it's yeah. first of all it's kind of giving glass animals but yeah for <laughs> sure but it's it's experimental for her and I think it's really cool and this song has been getting criticism online and the criticism that I've seen has been like this doesn't sound like Taylor Swift and I'm like baby I've that's got news point. to break for you that's the point yeah
0: Yeah, Taylor Swift doesn't want to have a Taylor Swift sound. I think it's fun for her and challenging for her to experiment in different sounds. Like the people that make those statements are the ones that haven't been around through her previous changes. They just came in and she already had made these changes. And I'm not a gatekeeping type Swifty. If you became a fan during folklore era, you are still valid. However, it's not fair of you to say this doesn't sound like Taylor Swift when you weren't there on the Speak Now to Red transition. You weren't there from Lover to Folklore. You know, like, yeah. It's not out of character for her to completely change her sounds and throw something completely new at you. That was one of my biggest um, reasons for anticipation of this album is what on earth is she gonna do next? Because mm-hmm. I couldn't fathom, I couldn't like make up a sound in my brain because. Taylor Swift always surprises me.
1: Who is it about? I
0: Yeah, I love the concept of it. Like, mm-hmm. he, you he, wanted comfortable. I wanted, wanted that
1: pain. pain. You wanted
0: a bride. I was making my own name. Basically, like, you wanted all these things for me, but I was too damaged to give that to you.
1: My brain immediately went to Tom Hiddleston yeah. because he was more mature, and he still is. He speaks out about Taylor in, like, the highest regard. Yeah, somebody said Taylor Lautner because I wanted my own name, and his name was also Taylor. Right. Like, that's quirky, <laughs> but you wanted a bride. They were kids, so like, yeah. But that's just interesting. I don't know. It's it's fun to speculate, and I don't think she would be this vulnerable with her tracks if she wasn't okay with people speculating. But yeah. I she doesn't I don't know. want people to discredit her entire relationship with Joe Alwyn. Yes, that's the biggest difference. Is like Tom Hiddleston, Taylor Lautner. Those were before Joe Alwyn. I'm not trying to discredit. What she is publicly saying is the truth now, but she's talking about a time when she wanted something else than the guy wanted or whoever wanted. So she
0: specifically chose to, you know, and I I knew that when I was describing that character who it actually
1: represented, she's vulnerable and she wants to be. And she also knows that people are going to speculate. So yeah, the next song on the album question. question Oh my God. Can I ask you a question? Did you ever have
0: someone kiss you in a crowded room? And every single one of your friends was making fun of you. So within the first few seconds,
1: I remember. I remember. Literally, the- Olivia just did the hand thing. If you listen to last week's episode, I remember her points of her forehead. She immediately samples herself from out of the woods. Remember. out of the woods yeah. is as we talked about on the harry styles episode the most harry stylesy song of all of the harry stylesy oh, songs yeah. and the beginning of that song is almost sounds like almost an interpolation it's so similar to keep driving by harry styles ashtray swimming pool hot wax jump on- big
0: girl, sad boy big city wrong choices
1: And I remember from out of the woods, this song has to be about Harry Styles. These are the types of Easter eggs that she likes to do. This is the kind of stuff that she likes to do. It's really similar to perfect in style sounding the same. Yeah. Very weird.
0: Like they flirt, they flirt with each other in the memory of each other through their music, like the way their music sounds.
1: I don't think there's anything wrong with the song itself and the questions that she's asking criticism I've seen online has been like, if she's happy in her relationship, why would she ask these questions? This is a reminder that these are 13 <laughs> sleepless nights throughout her yeah. life. She's tapping back into what it felt like to be, say we're exactly. say it's about Harry Styles. We're tapping back into the mindset of being a 22, turning 23 year old yeah. and being in this relationship that's super public and super messy. And he's a playboy and he's seen with someone else. And she's just like casually, like, can I ask you a question? And just like on a note for that, I'm in a very happy, healthy relationship and I wouldn't trade Matt for anything. But by God, if I got the opportunity to sit down face to face with the first boy that ever really crushed me and say, can I ask you a question? And just ask anything I wanted to, I fucking would.
0: And even beyond that too, like she's not saying right now she has a question. She's saying that she regrets in that moment, not asking the question, not standing up for herself better. And how on earth can... No one else relate to that. I don't need closure from my past relationships anymore. I found closure in myself. But if current day me could go back and coach years ago, Olivia, on how to navigate that situation and stand up for herself and make her feelings clear and tell guys when they're in the wrong or ask a closure seeking question that would have helped her get over it faster i would and that's kind of what this song feels like to me i don't think she still wonders about harry styles i don't think she still needs closure from harry
1: styles see i could see it as i don't think she needs closure i, I think she's found closure in herself and she has her entire song closure i don't need closure I could totally see it as she can wonder. I wonder all the time about my exes and the questions that I want answered, but I don't need them answered, and honestly, getting them answered would probably hurt more than not knowing, so.
0: Question. This one is a good one. This one is a good one. It was immediately
1: intriguing
0: based off of
1: the I remember. remember. It (laughs) leads us into another immediately intriguing song, which is vigilante shit.
0: I don't dress for women. I don't dress for men. Lately, I've been dressing for revenge. <laughs> this one is such a vibe.
1: Okay, so it starts off with what I think is like the most millennial, millennial comment. Yes. Or lyric, I guess. It starts off with, draw a cat eye sharp enough to kill a man, which is so 2016. Yeah. And then it hit me. If these are 13 sleepless nights throughout her life, especially with the content of what this song sounds like it's about – And she's tapping into an older version of herself. She gave us a very 2016 live, laugh, love, cringe ass lyric to tell us subliminally, this is a 2016 sleepless night. Okay. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Especially to like, she's on the internet. She knows trends. And if you aren't up to date with like makeup trends through the years, the cat eye style eyeliner, which is like basically like a, I guess a basic wing is what I want to say was really big during 2016. Everyone called it the cat eye, the cat eye. And now it's being rebranded as the siren eye. So it's like, it's different now.
1: She could have said something. She could have said siren eye. She's chronically online. I feel just like we are. She's aware. I think she was trying to- She likes cats true I think she was literally trying to like subliminally tell us this is from where this mindset is from and I really don't like that lyric but I think understanding for me the context of what it's trying to signal makes me hate it less but I do find it on its own cringy
0: if years ago you heard that lyric it would have had that badass impact and she's not writing these songs because this is how she feels about it now mm-hmm. she's writing these songs. She's like channeling her mindset at the time to write these songs.
1: And it's a very Billie Eilish sounding song. Yes. When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Why do you care for me? When we all fall asleep, where do we go? Definitely. It's so powerful. And I like the way she lets time breathe after she says the lyric I don't dress for women. Pause for a few seconds. I don't dress for men. But it was so saucy yeah she's on the internet <laughs> mm-hmm. on her vigilante shit again oh,
0: gosh yeah this one was very fun for me this one the more and more i listen to it the whole album i don't think it stacks up to the other ones that are quickly becoming a favorite it's not like lasting as long of a favorite as i would have intended but it doesn't make me dislike it like I, I'm it's <laughs> like i dislike it i like at the same level and the other songs i'm liking it more
1: that's how I felt because Vigilante shit was so strong for me. It was in your top three literally yeah. yesterday. Yeah. It's not that it's falling. It's that everything else is gaining.
0: Yeah. It's a fun vibe. It feels like it's a pregame vibe when you're about to go out and you're upset about something. So you're going out to feel better. Okay. It's a pregame song. But if it, I wouldn't want it to like play while I'm out. Our friend Carlos isn't like the biggest Taylor Swift fan currently, but He's been listening to the podcast. So hey, Carlos, we appreciate you for listening to Midnight's (laughs) the Day It Came Out. Uh, He came home from his work on Friday and told me that he listened to the whole album while he was like, you know, working out at the gym and he's like, vigilante shit is so good to lift to.
1: It is. Vigilante shit, I wouldn't want to play while I'm at the bar, but when I'm leaving the bar and, like, I'm a little drunk, but I've had, like, a crazy night, and I'm walking home, like, alone, and I want to feel like a badass. Vigilante yeah. shit. 100%. Bejeweled is Whiplash. Best believe I'm still bejeweled. When I walk in the room, I can still make the
0: whole place shimmer. <laughs> I know. This one gives me lover, and it gives me Moana crab guy scene I don't know the guy's name because I've only seen Moana a few times but you know the I'm so shiny that's what this gives me
1: it's (laughs) it's so funny because the first time that I heard Bejeweled I was not super into it but it's growing on me and I think it's because it's so much fun and such a dark album but like the nice Shimmer, (laughs) shimmer, and the theme of that song is like even if my man doesn't think I'm great I'm gonna make the whole place shimmer and I don't think that this is about Joel and I think we're throwing things back at this point but uh best believe I'm still bejeweled I'm still wearing my bejeweled bracelet um (laughs) it's so fun it's so fun it's Olivia said that the nice almost gives hey kids spelling is fun I I hated hey kids spelling is fun (laughs) and I love the nice so I don't know maybe I'm just growing up and appreciating fun things more
0: yeah I mean I think that's what it is honestly Danny. I feel like I've always vibed with her silly goofy fun songs and I think that's rubbing off on you when I defend them relentlessly
1: You know, what? I'll take it. It is fun. I enjoy it. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was released as a single at some point, if I'm being honest, I think you yeah, would get radio play. I think it's so fun. It is fun. And it's
0: a nice change of pace after the badass, slow, vigilante shit. And then right before we jump into the next track, Track 10, Labyrinth, which I think is the one of the slower songs on the album.
1: Before we jump into Labyrinth, we're going to do a quick shout out to Anchor. I wonder if all of our friends over at Anchor and Spotify have fully absorbed Midnight's the way that we have. I hope. So Labyrinth didn't strike me immediately. I'm just gonna say it, but I liked the lyric that it opened with. That it only hurts this much right now. Yeah, that immediately hit me because, like, recently, like my dogs passed away recently, and that was really tough for me. And so the this only yeah. hurts this much right now is such a comforting thought process. Yeah, That's that too. eventually it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. And I know it has one of your favorite lyrics yeah, hit you out the gate. Yeah, out the gate. The lyric I thought the plane
0: was going down. How'd you turn it right around? was one of my favorites from the entire album. And I want to preface by saying, I don't think this is one of those like genius Taylor Swift lines that hits me like, tolerate it does in the bridge. I made you my temple, my mural, my sky, and now I'm begging for footnotes in the story of your life. It doesn't hit me like that. I think that's just like standalone beautiful. Having the context of her life and knowing she's singing this to Joe Allen, I picture 2016 with. The line, I thought the plane was going down. She thought her her life as she knew it was ending. I mean, it was, but she thought her career was tanking. There's no way of redeeming herself from that. And then to continue, how do you turn it right around? She's asking Joe, how did you make this seem like it was going to be okay? How did you make this better
1: for me? Also in, this is me trying. She says, I could have followed my fears all the way down. She has talked about before, like almost toying with the concept of, suicide which is heavy stuff and I don't know exactly how serious that is for her because she's never going to come out right probably unless she does a memoir before she dies which we really hope she does I know but like was the plane her life
0: or was the or was the plane like her career life or was it her actual living
1: self we won't know, I guess. Mm -hmm. And it could be part of column A, part of column B. And you mentioned this yesterday, Liv, that it's insane how much Joe Alwyn has saved her. And I wonder how much pressure that puts on him, but that's sometimes what partners do. I have learned to rely on Matt so much in being with him. And that's what happens when you're in a partnership. They're your partner for a reason. Yeah.
0: And a good, healthy relationship you learn and grow from. And it's okay to be like reliant on each other. Like the idea of relying on someone and needing someone has such negative connotation to it. Cause like, you're supposed to be this like big, healthy, independent individual, but it's not wrong to find comfortable safety in somebody and like need that in your life. That is can turn toxic, but there's healthy ways to do that. I think Joe offered her such a safe place and reassured her in her insecurities that she is worthy of love. She is worthy of all these things that she didn't think she was. And she was able to heal because he helped to shield her when she needed to be shielded not everyone's going to be perfectly independent all the time. We were talking about this last night that in good healthy relationships, it's not 50, 50, In 50, 50, like, yeah, maybe her relying on him so much when she needs to rely on him could be seen as unhealthy because she needs more than 50% from him and he has to give more than 50%. But that's kind of the way healthy relationships should be. If someone's struggling in the partnership, and they can only give 10% and the other person isn't struggling on the same level as them, it's okay for them to give 90% to help boost that person back up to the 50 and vice versa. Yeah, Not Everyone's going to be perfectly happy every single day. It's how it is in my relationship. When I'm having a bad day, my boyfriend Kaz will go, above and beyond the normal daily life that we have together to comfort me and go and drop everything and buy me ice cream from Meyer, even though he didn't have time to go to the grocery store he will without me asking and he'll just go out of his way he'll draw a bath and be like go in the bathtub I like put a bath together for you just going above and beyond when I need to, him to go above and beyond because I can't get myself there and that doesn't make you any less independent whatever
1: I agree and that's pretty much this entire song is basically about falling in love especially right after heartbreak or feeling that imminent heartbreak and then you can't stop yourself from falling in love and that's scary and you're stuck in the labyrinth you're stuck in this crazy feeling and it's beautiful it didn't stick out to me a ton on the first listen it's not in my upper songs on the album but again no skip album so it's beautiful
0: yeah I think it stuck out to me on the first listen because I love it I don't know how to explain it exactly but just like the oh I'm falling in love again like in re- repetition I just think it's such a beautifully done concept it, it captures that oh
1: no I feel it happening again Yeah. Oh no. so after that is karma <clears throat> which is in my top like it, it's my second favorite it's so fun karma is my boyfriend karma is a god Koma
0: I think it's my favorite as of right now, but I'm very hesitant to like label them officially because every time I think of another song, I'm like, wait, what about that one?
1: (laughs) That was my number one. (laughs) Karma was so highly anticipated for a lot of reasons. The karma theory and her being bitter, whatever. And she knew because she laughed during her Midnight's Mayhem with me. Karma is like all about someone getting what they deserve. And that doesn't always mean bad thing because karma can be good she got what she deserved and they got what they deserved i was talking with my friend james earlier and he Mm -hmm. said karma is so often associated with just negative like karma has a negative connotation karma is gonna get you but that's not what karma is supposed to be it's getting what's coming to you and that means Mm -hmm. good things too and people say oh it's good karma when you just say the phrase karma it's like bad but not exactly. for her, because right. Karma is her boyfriend. Karma, karma is a god. Yeah,
0: Karma is a cat purring in her lap because it loves her. Like, if you're not a cat person, maybe you can't relate as as hard as us cat people out there can. But there's nothing that I can think of that's more comforting and just like so simply euphoric than a cat laying in my lap purring because it loves me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> like it's it's so interesting because she. In what in several of these tracks, she's talking about her distaste for herself and for she doesn't deserve the good things. And then there's, karma (laughs) is a god. Karma deserves this. (laughs) So whatever's happening in her mind is crazy. And
0: And I feel like on a level, all of us can relate to that. We all have our confident moments where we're like, yeah, we're the shit. We deserve the world. No one can tell me otherwise. And then we have the nights where we're like, wow. I'm a piece of shit. Nobody likes me. I don't get how I have friends. I don't get how I have a
1: boyfriend who loves me. I don't get it. It's very interesting because this song has some of like the most controversial lyrics. I think from what I've seen online from the album, that does not stop it from being a bop. Let's be clear. Weird lyrics do not mean no bop. Which lyrics are people having problems with? Like, saw somebody specifically say what the fuck does spider boy mean and i'm like i don't know who cares you're going in your
0: ass it's not sexy baby it's
1: not sexy baby from anti-hero which we didn't mention that's not (laughs) anti-hero it's not anti-hero and yet i will still find ways to defend it oh i'll defend that line i don't care
0: we'll get into it later but
1: (laughs) (laughs) after karma again whiplash we go into sweet nothing which is the only song on the album that she wrote with joe alwyn under his pen name william bowery
0: all that you ever wanted from me was sweet nothing
1: yes and sweet nothing i cried when i first heard it like a little bit a little Uh, tear so we talk about this in the drunk episode, but I say like sweet nothings have a very, it's a very intentional meaning. Sweet nothings are like things you say to someone that you're in a romantic relationship It's they're whispering sweet yeah, nothings like in my and enticing things. Mm-hmm. A sweet nothing, it's not usually used in its solo line. So this yeah. song is a double entendre because it's coming home to your sweet nothing. It's- All it's, you want from me is my sweet nothing. nothing. He doesn't need anything from her to be her, just her. Somebody said it was his response to the song Peace. Yeah. Would it be enough if I
0: could never give you peace? I'd give you my while, give you a child. That's all I, like, I can
1: just offer you love. But all I want is your sweet nothing.
0: God, can you- I get chills I just got chills because I had this thought <laughs> like the idea of them just
1: playing on a piano and writing this together oh, so it makes sad. me want to cry they're they're so incredibly cute but it's just being in a relationship where nothing is required of you other than to just be you especially when she's this bigger than life personality yeah it's he, he doesn't, doesn't want care fame. about anything he
0: doesn't like he would run away with her in the Lake district of England like She teases in the lakes, one of my fave songs. That's why I always call it out. But he would run away from her and like just disappear off the face of the planet with her because it's her. Mm -hmm. They're that in love. God, I don't get how like there's some people out there who think Joe Alwyn is a PR relationship when she writes the stuff about him. She loves him so much.
1: Yeah. And she references how many days at some point in one of the songs, and those days add up to a perfect six years. That's how long they've been together. It's, yeah, she loves him so much. And
0: in Sweet Nothing, I think one of the lines that hit me the hardest, I don't have it verbatim, but it was something like, with only you, I can tell you that I'm too soft for all of this. Too soft
1: for all of this.
0: And my commentary on it to you immediately was, oh, my God, reputation, Taylor, like badass reputation, Taylor, that if a man talks shit, then I owe nothing. That was just a defense mechanism. <laughs> She's too soft for all of it.
1: It was a lie. All of those lie. She's too soft. It for made this. her
0: feel better in the moment, but like she still went home and cried. Yeah. So this song just, it's one of those that it doesn't stick out to me in the sense of like, I want to turn it on right now, but when it comes on and I sit down and I'm like, Oh,
1: so good. It's so pretty. I and told the pi- piano version. <sighs> oh, gorgeous. I told Olivia that this song sounds like Okay. So I'm an event planner. That's my day job. And I consult on weddings sometimes. And one of the things that I like to tell couples is don't be the first people to leave. Have everybody else leave and stick around at the end, because you've just spent this entire time throwing a party and being hosts and trying to placate everybody else's feelings instead of your relationship. Stick around, do a final dance with no one. And this song sounds like something that someone would do their final dance to now Olivia's (laughs) friend Maddie was like had a different take on it and was like I don't remember what she said. She she said something like she took it
0: as all he wants from her is her sweet nothing. Because to her, the term sweet nothings is what you do like to woo someone into bed with you or just woo someone in the moment. Like all he gave me was like promises of sweet nothings, which that's like a phrase that people like say, like that's like a thing. So she's like the way that I first listened to the song was he didn't want her for anything more than just like sweet nothings.
1: Which I guess but I took it as a double entendre for using so, sweet nothings as yeah. sexy, sweet is, is wanting nothing from her other than to be her. But that gave me like a crisis for a second. But I think because she and Joe wrote it together and because it has the piano remix and the way the song sounds, I think that it is explicitly supposed yeah. to be a love song.
0: I agree. It's just like so interesting. It's so intriguing to me how... Different people with different life experiences just like hear different things or pull different things or like have, make different connections and it's the same work of art. It's so, yeah, it's I, so mind boggling to me. I love talking about stuff like that. Me
1: too. I loved when Maddie said that because I, I was so jarred in the moment. that like, I was like, wow, tell me. I was like, wait, we've had completely different life experiences. So I want to know how you got there because. Art is meant to be consumed through the lens yes. of the listener. It's, we talk about that all the time. Taylor loves that kind of stuff. Exactly. So give give me you, your thoughts on it because I want to know. Yeah. And I loved it. I loved when she said that. Even though it shook me for a second, Um, I You're was like, wow.
0: Oh, wait, I cried thinking about my boyfriend.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I loved it. I loved that conversation. Yeah. So after Sweet Nothing, the official album, Closer, is technically Mastermind, which Olivia yeah. loved out the gate. Yes. What if I told you I'm a mastermind? And now you're mine. Because mastermind is all about meeting someone, needing to be with that someone. So, setting up, like she says it in one of her other songs, I am an architect, I'm drawing up the plants. Yeah. I am an architect, I'm drawing up the plants. It's like. A- I think he knows she's saying, and she has been saying, It wasn't a meet cue. It wasn't they fell in love on accident. It was, I want to be in love with this man and I need him in love with me. So I am going to do everything I can to get there. She
0: probably went out of her way to force herself in situations where he had to interact with her. Like- Oh, we're at this party and oh my God, he's standing over by the drinks. I already have a drink. Let me just dump it out real quick so I can go over to
1: the drinks. Yeah. And you know what's what's funny? She says in the song, she says, all the wisest women do it this way. And I felt so attacked <laughs> because if there was a mastermind in my relationship, it was not me. It was Matt. Yeah. Like he did those things. And not that I don't love him dearly. It's just in the way that our relationship panned out, which is a story for another day. He was the one who set up those plans. And I remember when I was doing that to guys and I kind of gave up at some point, I was like, I can't keep masterminding because it's not working for me. Yeah. (laughs) Turns out that I am much better as being the one who was trapped than the one who did the trapping. (laughs)
0: Literally, Matt.
1: Made friends with all your friends after you broke up with him. So he kept getting invited to all the social outings. (laughs) And then we became actual friends. And now we're like in love and everything's happy and good. But like, I was better at being the person who is not the mastermind. Yeah, As somebody who is type A and loves planning and does it for a career and does it for social stuff all the time. It was comforting to not be the one to have to plan. Yeah. To not be the mastermind. Olivia though.
0: Yeah. This one originally stuck out to me so much because it's the one that I was able to latch to the quickest because you know the premise is just out there in your face so this one was heavily relatable for me because my current relationship I spent eight months convincing my boyfriend that I was worth it to date (laughs) and that sounds awful I know that sounds awful if you don't know like the entire like start to finish story. I guess I met him two months before he was moving across the country and he didn't want anything serious, even though we had serious feelings on both ends developing. He Definitely. He leads with his brain instead of his heart. He has to think something through entirely. He has to make so much logic of it just because of who he is as a person. And the logic wasn't there, even though the heart feelings were for him. He moved and I had to like make up all these excuses to talk to him. Like, even though he ended things with me, I, he was a big Witcher fan. So when the Witcher came out, I watched the Witcher just for an excuse to text him and be like, oh my God, did you see The the Witcher on Netflix? And then, of course, he wanted to talk about it. So we started talking and just, it ended up working out. She was a mastermind. (laughs) She was the architect. She drew up the plans. Literally. I I joke all the time. I'm like, yeah, I forced you to date me. And he's like, yeah, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) So this one stuck out to me immediately because of that. However, I will say with time and becoming more familiar with the rest of the songs on the album, It was immediately in my top three and I don't think it is anymore because I'm sitting here right now and I can't think how the chorus goes.
1: Mastermind and now you're mine. Yeah, that sounds
0: familiar, but I can't continue singing with you. You know? So I think it has to get demoted a little bit as of right now. But it's still subject to change.
1: Oh yeah, for sure. So that concludes like the first album and that ended. We were done listening before it even hit one AM because the album is not super long. It's about forty five minutes ish. Yeah. And Then her chaotic 3 a.m. surprise was dropping an additional seven songs to make this a 20-song album. We'll probably have less thoughts, I think, on the upcoming seven because we've given them less time to like marinate and talk about them and they didn't make the full cut. But we still do have some thoughts and we're gonna go through them. And the first song is The Great War.
0: Yeah, this one, both of us, it didn't stick out that much to both of us. We were kind of bored. But when we watched the lyric video and actually understood the words that Taylor was saying, we were also watching it with my friend Maddie. And we made so many connections. This one was so fun to analyze all three of us together. And we'll go into like greater detail eventually of all of our findings. But basically what we didn't catch the first time around was that it's about a big point of contention in a healthy relationship and you having trauma from your past toxic relationships and praying that it doesn't end the
1: same way. She loves these grand comparisons. Like in Epiphany, she compared the COVID-19 pandemic to World War Two, and she is comparing in, in a much smaller scale, but she's comparing a relationship that she's in and being in this insane battle where there wasn't explicitly even a right and a wrong unlike World War Two, to World War One. That's kind yeah. of, how we got to the great exactly. war so after the great war is bigger than the whole sky goodbye goodbye goodbye
0: you were bigger than the whole sky you were more than just a short time
1: which is so beautiful and it's this song essentially about loss and mm-hmm. goodbye goodbye you're bigger than the whole sky and it's about somebody from from the lyrics it sounds like somebody or something that you haven't actually got the chance to meet or form a bond with which leads a lot of people to believe that it is about a miscarriage from a Mm -hmm. friend of hers but i've also seen people online related to pets and as somebody who lost my dear dogs recently i get that
0: yeah and the special things about songs like that is everyone's experience like grief and loss and you can apply that like you said to a miscarriage you can apply it to a pet you can apply it to a
1: friend dying partner dying a, a parent figure dying even just a relationship ending imagine exactly. being with someone for 10 years and you split up goodbye you were bigger than the whole sky of divorce grief a is child so, dying like grief is so just, weird yeah. and it's such a beautiful way to paint grief and she she quite literally gives this imagery of saying goodbye to something that envelops your existence and what do you do It's a really beautiful song. Sonically, I didn't find it to be particularly outstanding, but it didn't need to be.
0: It feels kind of peace hoax to me. Like peace and hoax have beautiful lyricism and I love the stories they tell, but it
1: took me a long, long time to warm up to them and even be able to tell them apart. Peace was like immediate standout on folklore for me. So that's (laughs) funny. Hoax, I, I feel what you feel, but like peace was an immediate standout for me. After that, again, Whiplash to Paris i was taken by the fuel like we were in paris like we were somewhere else i loved this one <laughs> paris is so much fun it's and it's so cute. Painting escapism it's it feels like it's 2016-esque it's she says like it's a simile she's not saying that she and joe were actually in paris when shit was going down although they might have been it's we're escaping everything it's like we're in paris Yeah. But it's very fun. It's very catchy. I hope there's a club remix.
0: Me too. I want um, a Paris Taylor Swift and Paris Chainsmokers
1: mashup. Oh my God. Same. That'd be so fun. DJ (laughs) Raj.
0: I know. And they're not not about like the same concepts, I'm sure. But Paris.
1: Yeah, it doesn't need to be. Paris. I just think it'd be fun. (laughs) After that is High Infidelity. High
0: Infidelity. Put on your records and
1: regret me. I bent the truth too far tonight. I was dancing around, dancing around it. Which Olivia's this one, spell. <laughs> uh, this one did
0: not stick out to me on the first listen. Or the second listen. Or the third listen. And once we started watching the lyric video, like The Great War, it started to make more sense. More sense in the fact that I knew what she was saying to me. But it didn't make sense why she was saying that. I had so many questions. I drew... A lot of lines between the song and gorgeous. You're so gorgeous and we'll get into that later this is not a high infidelity song analysis video but i can't wait until we do that because my jaw dropped when i made the conclusions i made
1: oh yeah i will say i do think that the song is about tom hiddleston gorgeous yeah. kind of supports that theory but mm-hmm. there's a lot of breaking down to do and we're gonna save yeah. that for another day or maybe yeah. a tiktok and the fact that she met joe alwyn while she was dating
0: tom hiddleston we see saucy any
1: home any home so
0: i really like this one because <laughs> i feel smart
1: <laughs> <laughs> she's the smart Swifty now i'm trying my best <laughs> then we go into glitch i think there's been a glitch Seconds later, I'm fastening myself to you with a stitch. Which is not necessarily one of my favorites, but it is, you know, it's fun. It oh, has a fun. jump scare in the middle because, like, the song sounds you like it's it ending out. for a few seconds, and then she we goes glitch jumped. <laughs> it was insane, but it was, it, it's yeah. fun, it's cute. I think she might have been hinting at it when she had the glitch in the TikTok video for Wildest yeah last I, I saw that theory, and that's interesting to me. Not super stand out to me, but basically glitch is saying like that there must be a glitch. There's no like, would it's you like me? yeah, gl- a glitch in the matrix. Something is yeah. off. Why would this you makes like no me? sense? <laughs> yeah, which
0: is just another one of those insecurities of I don't deserve this. Whereas like, Karma is my
1: boyfriend. I deserve that man. Like, <laughs> whiplash. This album is whiplash. Mm-hmm. Would have, could have, should have comes next. And this one is we by far shuck. the most talked about bonus track oh, because yeah. listen, we have an entire episode on John Mayer. It's called The yeah. Muse's John Mayer. In my opinion, it's one of the best episodes we've ever done because there's <laughs> so much content to cover that we didn't even know. And John Mayer, once again, I say this in that episode, John Mayer better get a bunker.
0: Oh, she's going to bury him, especially with would have, could have, should have. I feel like. Unlike the other songs and what I was saying earlier in this episode, this is from her point of view now as an adult looking back on her relationship at 19 and being like, yeah, that was really fucked up. I regret that so much. It shouldn't have happened. I wish it could go back and change it. And if she still feels that way, she's not going to.
1: What did he do to her? She's not, not going to protect him from speaking out Taylor's version Oh no, no way. And you know, she has a certain level of respect for Jake Gyllenhaal, Hall, and he has respect for her. This has been yeah. spoken about before. Yeah. I think, I think John Mayer is a nightmare human, probably, and did some real damage to Girlie. So yeah. he probably caused her a ton of trauma. Oh, God. Yeah. And she says, Give me my, gr-, or I want my girlhood back. It was mine first. Like there's yeah. lyrics like that in there. Did our boy John, not our boy, but did he? take her virginity what's the scarf mean yeah. or was it just her innocence did he try to push her we yeah, will because come. like you can still
0: take someone's innocence without taking their virginity you can still introduce them to adult things and it's not virginity necessarily you know True. so i i wonder i wonder True. i mean i i don't i'm not gonna like die if i'm never gonna know like that's whatever it's taylor's personal life but like it makes you think mm-hmm. and it makes you Realize just how damaged she was after that situation. Like, even if she wasn't as madly in love with him as others, she didn't need to be madly in love with him for him to hurt her severely and be very hurtful to her. Please, if you haven't listened to our John Mayer episode, we talk about this in more detail. You can tell years later when she did an interview during red era someone brought up john mayer and she like freaked out and was like i'm not talking about that i am not talking about that i'm gonna get nasty emails i don't want that no that's years later yep she
1: freaked out over someone teasing her about john mayer and i'm not kidding not just like a self-plug that episode gives you so much context to their relationship and to him as a person at the time and i think especially with the would have, could have, should have song being out now. If you want additional, why is she bringing this up again now? We've got it. Mm-hmm. Listen.
0: And fun fact she is 32 years old right now. And that is the age that John Mayer was when he dated her at 19. And I feel like once you hit that age, especially when it's like such a big gap around like 30 year olds dating young or late, late teenagers, you know, they didn't really realize how bad it was when they were young. Until they got to that age and they're like, how, how the hell did you look at a 19 year old and say, yeah, I'm romantically interested in that.
1: Yeah. It's really weird. Also, this is track 19 and she was and, 19. Yeah. And we know, I guess we don't know for sure,
0: but we speculate so hard. It's about John Mayer. Cause she keeps saying when I was 19, 19, 19, 19. 19. Yeah. And the people she dated at 19 were Taylor Lautner
1: and John Mayer. But go listen to that episode for more context. Last on the album is Dear Reader. Never
0: take advice from someone who's
1: in apart, dear. Which I think is a really great way to close it because it's a very interesting concept of her giving all of this advice and then contradicting herself immediately of saying like, you shouldn't take advice from people who are broken. I'm broken, by the way. So
0: it's, yeah, it's an interesting end. Like, I'm the one that keeps making mistakes. Everyone keeps telling me I'm
1: making mistakes. This song is super interesting. Like, lyrically, it doesn't stand out to me in and of itself. But I do like it. And I think it's a really good closer for like the full, full thing. It's kind of giving a little bit long live
0: vibes, but more subdued and kind of sad girl. It's one that's meant to be directed at the fans. Like, dear reader, do this, do that, don't do this. But why would you listen to me anyway? I fuck up all the time. Don't don't listen to me. Oh, but like I also know this, but like don't listen to me.
1: It's very interesting back and forth. And I I like it. I think it's a good closer. I think it'll grow on me, honestly. I, I think it would have been a better technical album closer than mastermind even though i like mastermind more as a song right i think though taylor said something about the 3 a.m
0: songs not necessarily falling in the same category for her as her midnight songs which is why she calls them the 3 a.m songs so that's kind of interesting
1: Overall, I think it's a really good album. I need some more time to marinate with it to see how it falls, like how it stacks up in my brain of albums. I think it's some of her best work. A lot of people were expecting some insane lyricism on this. And I saw this post, and I'm just going to repeat it. People forget, because of how outstanding and poetic the lyricism on Folklore and Evermore were, that Taylor Swift is still a cringe millennial at her very core. Right. So... Of course, she can write stuff like "How's one to know I'll meet you where the spirit meets the bones in a faith-forgotten land," and then turn around and say, "Sometimes I feel like everybody's a sexy baby," and that doesn't make her any less. This is a different vibe. It's a different vibe. Exactly. And the thing about folklore and Evermore is it was supposed to be this beautiful,
0: whimsical, not real life feeling thing, and she made it feel like not real life with her words. But this is real life, and real life is, I'm the fucking problem.
1: We also have to remember, that you and I have <laughs> talked about this, there are, are things that exist in bias and... One is recency bias, which is why Mm -hmm. when we listen to songs, we were immediately like, oh my God, I love that one. Oh my God, I love that one. But also bias of stuff that you know. So when you listen to songs more, the more you actually genuinely like them. And there is science to support this. So if you listened through midnights and said, this is, this puts the mid in midnights, listen to it again, because there's a good Mm -hmm. chance that your brain just isn't processing this. exactly Because that's science. Yeah.
0: That's how I felt about Evermore when it came out. I felt like it was just like a cash grab off of Folklore. It didn't impress me. That sounds awful, but it didn't impress me. I was a little disappointed and I had to marinate with Evermore for months. And when it finally clicked, I was like, whoa, this has one of my favorite songs of all time. And I missed it on the several different times around.
1: That's how I felt about Ivy. Cause Ivy is yeah. one of my favorite Taylor Swift songs and exactly. I missed it too. Give it another shot if it's not your thing. And it's okay if it's not. This is synthy. It's vibey. It's sexy. It's smooth. That is not for everyone. Just like Evermore wasn't for everyone or 1989 or Fearless. It's okay if it's not your thing, but I don't think this is cheap songwriting. I don't think this is weak music. I think it's different. And that's also okay. I think it's her objective best album. Fun fact. She does. Mm-hmm. I really struggle because it depends on what best means because the lyricism yeah. in folklore and Evermore are just so outstanding and I care about yeah, lyricism so much. I feel much. like it's everything
0: combined. Mm-hmm. Like you, she had a strong hand in the production of, and she has a strong hand in the production of all of it, but I don't know. I guess I'm a pop ho, So <laughs> like folklore, I can recognize the beautiful lyricism, but sometimes to make the emphasis it's not necessarily about that. She captures these feelings in this really, really well. Whereas folklore is like so beautiful, but I don't think she captures every feeling of every song because it follows that folklorian theme. But I think this one, she really captures the feelings so
1: I'm an ardent defender of this album already, and I'm going to be. I really like it. I begged for Dark 1989 in other episodes, and I got what I wanted, (laughs) so I will defend this album, and I really like this album. I understand if it's not everybody's cup of tea, but I also understand the window has closed for the Grammys for the next year. It closed um, the the first week of October, so this is going to be a Grammys conversation a year from now, and I don't think it's off the table. Oh, absolutely not,
0: and- if you are a fan of Taylor and you're disappointed in this album, just keep listening to it. It's okay if it doesn't click immediately. that doesn't make you like less of a fan that doesn't make Taylor less of a great artist even in your eyes because like I said, that's how I felt during Evermore, but that didn't make me any less of a fan of her previous works and sometimes it it might just take time before it clicks and that's okay.
1: Mm-hmm. In a few weeks we're going to do once we've marinated with this more, Hopefully you have two. We're going to do a Let's Talk Midnight's episode. And there we're going to do a lot of fun stuff because we've talked through each song. But we're going to place each song in an era. And we're going to try to speculate a little bit more about what they're going to be about and talk about the album as a whole. But for now, it's it's positive. I feel good about this. Yes, I love it. It's a good album. I'm enjoying it. And this has been a very overwhelming past few days. We're so tired. Taylor Swift, yeah. please let us sleep. And you know, just one week. Just i don't get that i'm about to head to to an event for work (laughs) i will not be sleeping so i'm so puffy (laughs) what are we talking about next
0: week so next week once we've had a week to marinate with this album and we can finally start giving these songs more solid standings and how we feel about them we're gonna do a fun album ranking I don't feel like it'd be fair to do an album ranking right now just because we aren't 100% familiar yet, but we are going to become more familiar and we're going to give you our ultimate, not ultimate, we're going to give you our initial true ranking of this album. So stay tuned for that. It's another opinion based episode, but I'm sure by next week we still won't be able to stop talking about this album.
1: Uh, there wasn't really anything to Taylor in this episode because what we Taylor learned was the actual music itself. Exactly. <laughs> I'm really excited to see what comes out of the Midnight's Era as you know. we begin to get more into it, but I'm already loving it. Yes. It's... And my contour. Hello, Jewel Seriously, 70s. This aesthetic. is my new personality <laughs> for officially. the next six to eight months at least. <laughs> for this week, my name is Danny. And I'm Olivia. Thanks for listening to Midnights. <laughs>